Okay, we'll keep this relatively brief because we have a football game to get to in a little under 45 minutes at the time of recording. Syracuse beats Northeastern 76 to 48 to improve to two and one on the season. I'm Liam Griffin. I've been tweeting on behalf of Orange's all game long. Now I'll take you through this post game instant reaction to sorts. And I have Francesco Simone on the line with me at the moment. Francesco, do you have me? Oh, I got you, LG. What's up? Uh, not much, man. It's a uh, fans are the final batch of fans is piling out of the dome following the orange victory. And Francesca, let's start with this. Benny Williams, like, I feel like it was a huge mixed bag for him. He didn't really turn it on until garbage time and gotten that technical scuffle. How can you not be worried about him? Yeah, LG, I've been worried about Benny for a little bit of time now. I had a, uh, a relatively famous rant on a different uh, on a different uh, platform about <laughs> Benny after game number one against Lehigh um, that our very own Ethan Frank wrote about on Orange Fizz as well. Uh, yeah, like listen, LG, what is he? Right, he plays like a two. Jim Beheim says he's got the size of a four. He probably wants to be a three. I mean, what he would be best at in his current state because he can't shoot the jumper, even though he tries desperately to. His best role right now is playing underneath, doing the dirty work, getting the rebounds, being athletic, playing good defense, and then shooting when he gets opportunities to every once in a while. But he should be going to the rim, man. Like, I don't know why he's 17-foot jumpers. When he's 6'9", 220, he's bigger than almost everybody else. He's got the athleticism to get to the rim. He was a five, maybe, you know, a borderline five-star recruit last year. There is no reason why he should be settling for jumpers. We saw him do it today. He actually made a couple LG, as you said, towards the end of the game, but in garbage time against, you know, a Northeastern team that's not exactly playing elite defense. So, listen, there's some sort of mental block in there with Benny, right? Why can't he be aggressive? We saw him do it against Colgate, but it's not. It's a consistency issue, right? So he has done it. We have seen it. He's just got to do it every game. And Malik Brown, Liam, is right there. He is that aggressive defender, rebounder, all that. If Benny does not, you know, make it a consistent make a consistent effort to be that aggressive player, as we go on down the line here, we get into ACC play, Malik Brown's going to take his minutes. There's no doubt about that. And Francesco, Malik Brown, and I wrote about this in my postgame article, which you can catch on theorangefizz.com along with all of our other content. He had that hustle in his game today that – this SC team, to be quite frank with you, desperately needed. You saw him going after loose balls, crashing the glass. Sure, his stats may not make you think that, but the eye test passed Malik Brown full front today. And Francesco, you saw it coming with the piece you wrote about him earlier this week. So going forward, I mean, Malik Brown played north of 20 minutes in this game. He saw more action than Chris Bell and probably would have seen more action than Betty Williams if the game wasn't you know, ridiculously lopsided. Yeah, Liam, I, I love Malik Brown. I think he's an outstanding addition to this team, even though, you know, maybe besides Peter Carey, he was the least touted of this six-man recruiting class. Without question. But he does all the, What was that? Without question, he was the least touted out of the yeah. six. Yeah, again, besides, besides Peter Carey. Ben Peter Carey doesn't play unless it's garbage time. We saw him a little bit today. But with Malik Brown, he's, he's a throwback, right? He's an old school. He's a guy who, in his Q.com intro video, said... My main priorities are defense and rebounding. How often do you hear an 18, 19-year-old kid say that in this day and age? You know, growing up watching Steph Curry, every kid runs to the three-point line trying to jack up shots. Not Malik Brown. He knows what he's good at, and he does it well. I mean, what else could you ask for? Uh, you can't ask him much more than that, Francesco, because you saw him 
doing what his job is. I mean, he's not an outside shooter. You don't need him to shoot from the outside. And he didn't do that today. He played his role perfectly tonight. Now, Francesco, another thing I want to get into on this is post-game reaction to Syracuse's 76-48 win over Northeastern. Joe Girard III, one of my friends from another outlet told me the other day, he does not want Girard taking 10, 12, 300 a game. Girard took nine and made five. So, Francesco, I really think it has a lot to do with the number of three-pointers he takes. I think it has everything to do with the quality because the looks he has today were quite good. Yeah, Liam, you hit the nail on the head right there. And Jerry McNamara has been the one that said it, and Jim Beheim has echoed it as well, is this offense is going to have to run through, at least from a, from a perimeter shooting standpoint, through Joe Girard, right? Judah Mintz can shoot the three, but we haven't really seen him do it yet. Chris Bell, Justin Taylor, they're supposed to be able to shoot the three, but they haven't done it at all yet. So Joe Girard is the outside shooting threat. And he hit, again, Liam, he hit the nail on the head. It's about the quality of the looks he gets. What's been the, ba- the main complaint about Joe Girard the last three years besides the fact that he's not a natural point guard, which is true. Besides that, it's been he takes too many heat checks, right? He takes too many 30-foot three-pointers. He takes too many fadeaway jumpers, whatever the case may be. If he takes good shots, he is not a good shooter, Liam. He is an elite shooter at the collegiate level. This is a guy who makes 90% of his free throws. Now you say, what does free throws have to do with you know shooting from the outside? Got everything to do with it. If you're a good free throw shooter, you can shoot well no matter where it is on the court because that means you're fundamentally good at it. Absolutely. So it's about for Gerard. If it's about for Gerard, again, Liam, you're 100% right. Take good shots, and he's going to make a lot of them. Now, at the same time, and we saw it against Colgate, in a game where Syracuse is down, right, you need a, a whole lot of points in a short amount of time. He's going to jack up some, you know, deep threes that he shouldn't be taking. But to me, that's not that big of a deal because – if he's not going to make them, nobody else is. So you're going to have games like that. But for the most part, 100% Liam, again, take good quality shots, and he's going to be very efficient. It almost feels like, Francesco, what this team's future outlook is going to be predicated on. If we see Gerard take these step-back threes with, if you want to throw a name out there, Kyle Filipowski of Duke right in his face, it's going to be another long, winding row. But that said, if we see him shoot at the level he shot tonight, Really good shots, and he's making them too. The sky could be the limit for this team. Francesco, another thing that I feel like has to be talked about. We talked about Malik Brown playing well. For the second consecutive game, Chris Bell looked absolutely terrible. And Francesco, if it were just the first time this season, then yeah, maybe you could sort of wipe the brow a little bit because it's a first time. But two straight games, he's been essentially a non-factor. Yeah, and with Bell, Liam, he was advertised as a three-point shooter, right? Jim Beheim said after one of the exhibition games, only went one for nine today. He'll go six for nine in the next game. That's how good of a shooter he is. The issue with Bell is that he hasn't really had to do anything else as, you know, as a, as well, he's still an amateur player, but you know what I mean, at lower levels. He hasn't had to rebound. He hasn't had to move around on defense as much as he does now, getting in the right position, yada, 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 you know, go for whatever. It's different here. If, if you're playing the three at Syracuse, you are a forward. You are not an NBA wing. You are a forward who has to defend, who has to rebound. And that's been an adjustment for Bell. Like, Syracuse is going to need him, either him or Justin Taylor, to develop into that extra three-point threat from outside. It can't be just Joe Girard and, on occasion, Judah Mitz. One of those two guys, Bell or Taylor, has to be a real threat from behind the arc. 
Liam, let me give you this number. 45 points. That's what Syracuse is missing with no Cole Swider, no Jimmy Beheim, no Buddy Beheim. Somebody's got to step into that role to be a consistent, countable on shooter. And Bell is at the top of that list just based on pedigree. He hasn't shown it yet. I agree with you, Liam, 100%. But don't just completely throw him away yet. You have to keep playing him. Because as you keep playing him, he gets more comfortable. And then you hope in January and February and March, he's got the little stuff down, the stuff that he hasn't done before. And that three-point shooting can really, really show. Yeah, Francesco, I think the thing with this team is you're going to get points from Joe Girard. You're going to get points from Judah Mintz. More likely than not, you're probably going to get double figures from Jesse Edwards. I'd say 75, 80% of the time, Edwards will reach the 10-point threshold. Yeah. But if you say, let's say Judah and Joe get 35 collectively per game. Does that sound reasonable to you? Between Judah and Joe? Yep, 35 per game between the two of them. I would say between 30 and 35. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right. Say Jesse gets 10 per game. That puts you I give, in the low. I give more than that. I would give Jesse more than that. I give him up towards 13, 14. But that's okay. okay. Regardless, you're in the low 40s when you're balancing those 40 guys. Yeah, that's yeah, low to mid that, 40s. I would agree with you. Yeah. That creates the need for someone to step up, and a pretty big one too, Francesco, because I'd say you get I don't know two points from five other guys. You're in the low 50s. That's not going to cut it, especially when your defense, as we saw the other night. Isn't exactly the best, and I know they played better today, but this is Northeaster. Come on. No, uh, 100%, Liam, and the, the bigger issue that Jim Beheim talked about it against Colgate was the offense. Yeah, the defense wasn't great, I grant that to you, but last year, Syracuse gave up 100 to Colgate. This year, it was 80, right? So it's still not good, but it is at least, you know, a little bit more palatable than it was a year ago. Not, not an apples-to-apples comparison, I realize that, but you know what I mean. It's the offense, when you put up 68 points against a Patriot League team, albeit a good one, it's not going to get the job done. And like I said, you need either Bell or Taylor to become that fourth consistent scorer, along with Gerard, along with Judah Mintz, who Liam is special. I've, it's been three games, I, I understand, but just wa- having watched him play in person, just the way he moves, this kid is a bona fide NBA player, no doubt about he, it. He, he is special. He is special. special. He's special. The way he can get to the rim, and again, right, CAA competition, we'll see what happens when they play Duke or whatever, right? But just the, the body control that he has, the vision that he has. He made a behind-the-back pass today. I don't know how we saw Jesse Edwards as a, trailing, as a trailer. He is a ridiculously talented kid who's going to have a great season and, you know, for his sake, you hope it's a one-and-done season, right? You hope it takes him to the NBA, first-round pick, yada, yada. That's that's a, a certainty, I, for me at least at this point. Gerard, yeah, you know what you're going to get from him, basically. Edwards, you know what you're going to get. You need Bell. You need Taylor. Hopefully, you know, hopefully they're both good, but at least one of them to be that extra threat, especially from the outside. All right, Francesco, we can wrap this space up with this because the football game is only a half hour away. You're 2-1 going into Brooklyn this coming Monday and Tuesday. You got Richmond Monday, then either St. John's or Temple on Tuesday. Temple beat Villanova earlier this season. Richmond was a tournament team last year, and this may be the St. John's, best St. John's team we've had in a while. So I guess, what are your expectations going into the Barclays Center? I would say, Liam, you got to give me at least one and one. Like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a good three teams. You know, they're not... They're not the biggest names are not like the names they, they faced in Atlantis last year. The names they're going to face in Maui a year from now. But you mentioned it. Richmond tournament team. 
Uh, Temple beat Villanova. St. John's had brought Andre Curbelo over from Illinois. It's a really talented team. It's not going to be easy for Syracuse, but I'll tell you this. None of those teams have the amount of physical talent up and down the board that Syracuse does. Now, it's young, I grant that. But to me, if you don't at least win a game, I'd be very disappointed. If you win two, I'd feel pretty good about this team. If they won two, Liam, how about this? It would make me forget about Colgate. Fair? If they won, yeah, absolutely. If they, if they somehow manage a victory in this tournament, I would have no sour grapes about Colgate whatsoever because going into a neutral site, this is an opportunity to pick up at least one, if not two, quad one victories potentially, Francesco. Something this team had zero of last year. So Owen, Owen, that, I, Owen said in quad one yeah. games last year, yeah. Is that good? Hey, no, Liam, it's really bad. Okay, just had to double check there. So if SU is able to pull off a victory, or two victories down in Brooklyn this coming week, I would like to cite the Colgate immediately and think to myself, yeah, this team might have a chance to go places. Now, granted, it's not going to be easy. And if SE drops another non-con at home, it'll raise the eyeballs more again. But a win in Brooklyn, which if Joe Girard takes the shots he took today, if the defense closes out at the levels it closed out today, don't rule out the possibility. Liam, how about this? Let me give you this one to kind of, to kind of close it out. So you've got the two games in Brooklyn this week. Then the week after, you have to go to play Illinois, right? Yep. If, if Syracuse wins two out of those three games, I would feel really good about this team. So would I. I would feel fantastic about this team. And they have to get at least one. They have to get at least one. Absolutely. They have to get at least one. If you, if, you, if you somehow get all three, then I'm ecstatic. If you get two out of three, I feel great. Fair? You, can, you cannot go into Notre Dame. Right, so they have one, two, there are four games before their first ACC game with Notre Dame. You can't go into it three and four. You just can't. Assuming they beat Bryant, which is a big assumption considering they've got March Madness sweetheart Doug Eddard. Yeah. You have to get one of those three at minimum. You cannot go into South Bend under 500. 100%. 100%. Well, that does it. We're, we're in agreement. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that does it for this edition of this Twitter Spaces with Francesca Simone. I'm Liam Griffin. Syracuse beats Northeastern 76 to 48. Enjoy the football game. And you can catch us on that Twitter space as well, along with all of our all of our other content at theorangefizz.com. We'll catch you next time.